Atamarie Koto Katoa, Ko Shane Jansen Toko Ingwa, Ko Onirahi Toku Kainga, Ingari no Kawakawa Aho, Ko Te Fatu Ora, Te Tai Tokero Toku Wahi Mahi, Ngamihi Kiakoto. Good morning, everyone. My name is Shane Jansen. I live in Onirahi, but I'm from Kawakawa. <clears throat> the National Health Authority Northland is my place of work. Greetings to you all. My wife found this quote during the time that I was preparing for this message and offered it to me. When a layman has to preach a sermon, I think he is most likely to be useful or even interesting if he starts exactly from where he is himself, not so much presuming to instruct as comparing notes. C.S. Lewis. I think this sounds like a good idea, <clears throat> so I hope that that is the tone that I bring today. Consider this a form of testimony about my journey in this area, and that of my family, but it's principally I, so sorry about that. <clears throat> when Howard approached me about doing this, he framed it this way. I thought that you and your family may wish to share a general why creation care is central to your Christian faith in ways that it works itself out that others might find helpful. I should be clear that this, is, this won't be me trying to provide a comprehensive list of ways that you can care for creation. I won't be presenting links to multiple causes and organizations. Most of that is already available readily with a simple Google search and by listing, sorry, listening to what is going on in your local community. And this is also not an opportunity for me to claim just how good my family is at doing this. I do, though, need to tell you some of what we do to illustrate what creation care can look like. <clears throat> and to show you that it is possible for ordinary Christians to take small steps to increase our stewardship of God's creation. Is creation care central to my faith? Good question kind of Howard to observe that it is. Perhaps the perspective of others is more objective than our own. Why do I or we care? If I'm honest, in some sense, I've always had an innate leaning to it, just part of who I am. <clears throat> Perhaps the result of nature and nurture. Also, I hope, the activity of the Holy Spirit at work in me as he remakes me and completes my salvation. I have clear memories of, from my childhood of my father expressing his disgust whenever he saw litter flying out the window of a vehicle ahead of us. This made a real impression on me. I also remember my dad as a keen fisherman and the disapproval he showed when seeing people take more than their limit or as he noted, the diminishing of the fishery over the years that he lived and fished in the Bay of Islands. I too am distressed by litter and angered by examples of overtake and waste in natural resources. Not only that, but I find such things disfiguring to the world around me. I appreciate beauty rather than ugliness. When God made the world, he made it very good, and part of that very good is beauty in color 
design, inner working, structure, and so much more. And our songs so far today have spoken to that, among other things. I don't know about you, but my eye is drawn to things that are pleasant and beautiful to behold. I think we're wired that way by our Creator, wired to care and appreciate. Philippians 4 verse 8 ends with, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Surely God's creation is such a thing. So with this innate leaning toward the preservation of the environment, it's still been a journey for me to see that it is right for me as a Christian to express that concern as an outworking of my faith. I had questions like, am I an advocate for the environment who happens to be Christian? Am I a Christian who has a side gig in environmental advocacy and care, but can't wholeheartedly state my motivations to others working in that space? Does God want me to care about creation, or should my focus be on more spiritual matters like prayer, serving the church, and preaching the good news? Is creation care a waste of time if this world is destined to be incinerated along with the wicked? Shouldn't my concern be getting myself and others safely to heaven? <clears throat> I did not always see a lot of thinking or action on this in churches that I was part of or the circles that I moved in. I felt some discomfort at not having a clear theology that would give me permission, let alone encourage me, to care and act for creation. As a young man, I was exposed to books and theology like that espoused in The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. That the premillennial view of the end of things seemed to emphasize the, the sorry, seemed to emphasize the destruction of the world and focused on escaping that through personal salvation. What was the point of caring for creation or indeed working for a better world? or advocating for just causes if it was all going to burn up in the not-too-distant future. Exposure to other ways of thinking about the end of things, eschatology, has given me a better way to understand care of creation. In 2019, there was a course run by Hope Whangarei <clears throat> called Surprised by Hope. Some of you will have done that course. It was based on a book by the theologian and bishop N.T. Tom Wright. In the course, we were reminded that the historical Christian hope is of the bodily resurrection to a new heavens and a new earth, not a disembodied heaven as is often the default expression amongst Christians. More recently, the Revelation series was also helpful. As well as getting some great teaching on this challenging part of the Bible, it was helpful to hear Lorn bring teaching on an amillennial perspective of Revelation chapter 20, and Roland tell us more about the new heavens and the new earth, particularly the point made that rather than the idea of all new things, instead we should think of all things made new. Talking with Howard recently, we discussed the idea of humans as image bearers for God and Chris touched on that this morning. As such, we are ambassadors for the kingdom, for God's preferred future. Thy kingdom come, the way things are in God's kingdom. Part 
of that is the restoration of right relationships. Right relationships with God, with our neighbour, and with creation. The fall damaged these relationships, as we all know, but it is part of God's redemptive plan to restore them. Now, speaking of neighbours, who is my neighbour? In the familiar parable, Jesus tells his disciples to act like the Samaritan. There were two who passed by, ignoring the injured man. But the Samaritan stopped and helped at no small personal cost. There are people already experiencing the negative, the negative effects of climate change. Climate change that is in part due to the collective actions, choices and practices of people like me. <clears throat> Perhaps it's not too much of a stretch to argue that they are my neighbours and I should not walk past and do nothing. What does doing something look like? It could be living in a way that attempts to limit my contribution to climate change. It will likely come at some personal cost, of course, as it did for the Samaritan. Referring back to the innate, I have a desire to protect and pass on a livable world for my descendants and others yet unborn. Is it too radical to think that those people are somehow also my neighbour, to whom I have a responsibility? Further, I'm told that those most impacted by the negative effects of climate change are also those who are least equipped to protect themselves from it. They are overwhelmingly the poor and dispossessed. They often live on marginal land with few resources, no surplus or savings or good government to fall back on, and nowhere to go either. When I learned this, I was even more convinced that I had a responsibility to care for creation. We know that God cares for the poor, and we're used to doing that through Christian aid organizations like World Vision and Tear Fund, and local initiatives like food banks and similar. Surely I can view my environmental stewardship as caring for those, poor and others, affected by climate change. <clears throat> so how do I, we, care? Our family approach is to do what we can, when we can. Like other issues that are important in life and faith, we maintain an ongoing conversation about it. We try to be mindful of how our choices and actions impact on creation and people. Sometimes we wrestle with a choice due to its likely inconvenience or limitation to our freedom to do what we want, when we want. But in that regard, I imagine it's no different from what any of you must do as you endeavour to follow Jesus and make life choices based on obeying his commands and living in a way that pleases him. In regards to specific actions around creation care, there are many things that we can and should do. Be encouraged to make a start. We started with just a couple of things and have gradually added to the list as we become more aware. We recycle soft plastics. Doesn't it annoy you when you fill your bin with wrappers that everything's packaged in? We try to avoid unnecessary plastic in our purchases and try to make use of reusable containers and wrapping. We use eco-friendly 
household and personal care products. You'll be aware single-use items are a huge source of waste in their production and in landfill. I'm increasingly amazed, though, at what people are coming up with to give us an alternative to single-use items. Anything from produce bags to a return to old-style metal shaving razors to sanitary care products. We participate in the occasional community rubbish pickup or tree planting days. These are usually fun and rewarding and can also help develop a broader sense of community. It's also great for me to see the ugliness or barrenness turn into something more appealing. <clears throat> we seek out, where we can, ethically produce clothing or sometimes buy second hand. You know, there's some real bargains in the op shops and it, <laughs> it delays items going to landfill. Uh, it could even reduce the production of new ones if enough people did it. Uh, who was here last week? We saw the girls' brigade repurposing of textiles. Yeah, <clears throat> It's no secret that a lot of textile and clothing manufacture is very water hungry and also water polluting. Even washing some of your clothes less often, say jeans, can reduce household water usage. Treating water to a drinkable standard, and that's what we wash our clothes in, has an environmental cost. Amelie did this year's 40-hour famine. The theme was to get clean drinking water to those who currently don't have access to it. According to World Vision, a shocking 800 children around the world die each day from dirty water. One in five children don't have access to enough clean water to get through the day. We buy some fair trade goods, bananas, coffee, chocolate, Good for people and the environment. You can give money to environmental actions and groups. You can sign petitions seeking better practices. You can vote with creation care in mind. Now something won't surprise you. Joy and I generally ride bicycles to work. It's convenient, good for our health, and saves money. It also brings pleasure, and we feel better connected to the world around us and to other people. I think biking to work is possible for many more people than currently do it, especially with the advent of the e-bike. Any e-bike fans here? I know there's one or two. Um, if I couldn't bike to work, I'd want to look at some other way to reduce my transport-related emissions. About a year ago, we purchased an electric car. We had an old petrol car as the family vehicle, you'll have seen it, that old bomb of a Camry. <coughs> it doesn't have a resale value, and the electric vehicle's got a limited range, so we've kept it for longer trips or to tow and carry bikes. Now, electric cars are great, and we love ours, not to mention the petrol savings. But we are fully aware that if everyone simply switched to, uh, from petrol to electric, that's not the, the answer to the environmental crisis. Somehow we need to pave the way for less personal car use and more alternatives like better public transport, car sharing schemes, better urban planning that supports alternatives such as bikes, scooters or walking for local travel. We try to limit our holiday related flying. This has presented some challenges since it's so cheap and convenient compared to the alternatives. 
Sometimes it feels like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Next week, the service will include communion. As you will have noticed, we've returned to using glass cups. That's because some people worked away to have us stop using the throwaway plastic ones. Are the Jansons <clears throat> going to save the world with their efforts? Is that even the right question to ask? Are we instead living hopefully, endeavouring to honour God, and trusting that our efforts will not be wasted? How do we remain hopeful? One of the challenges to being intentional about creation care is that you risk disappointment. You can think you're doing okay and changing your lifestyle to do things better, and then someone tells you that something you haven't even considered is wrecking the planet. <clears throat> An example of this is learning that our emails are a big driver of climate change. Anyone here want to hazard a guess as to why? Don't worry, I'll tell you. It turns out that the cloud we all happily upload our gabillions of data to has a really big footprint here on Earth. Emails and other digital information is held on servers. Large banks of mega computers. And guess what? They use a lot of electricity. And much of that electricity is created from fossil fuel combustion. Should I give up because such things are beyond my control and too hard to solve? No. I believe I should continue to do what I can in response of, to the call of God on my life, knowing that he is doing the work of building his kingdom. He will not let my Christian witness in all its aspects, sharing hope in Jesus, caring for the poor, praying for the persecuted church, or creation care, he will not let this come to nothing. Somehow he is able to make something of our service. He will make the new heavens and new earth. I will not. But somehow he is able to weave my actions into his redemptive plan. So in conclusion, I hope that I've been able to encourage you to consider, if you are not already convinced, that creation care is something that fits well into, into the mission of God and so should be a natural part of our Christian discipleship. How it looks for each person will vary, though there will be some strong themes that all will want to embrace. Now Lynette's going to pop up a slide. And on that slide there are three discussion points with the heading whether you're already deep in creation care or if it's something you've not really given much thought to, and then those three questions. And I'm going to add an extra word to the first question because when I've previously used this, it's been misunderstood. So the extra word is, have you had any new theological insights today? So not new ideas about how to recycle, but has this helped in your thinking of how creation care fits? And then the others are fairly self-explanatory. So if you bunch up a little, and we'll give you five minutes. <laughs>